welcome to Root of the Issue, the podcast of the Root Cause Coalition. Our program is made possible through the generous support of the AARP Foundation and explores the motivations and stories behind individuals who have dedicated their life to achieving health equity for all. My guests today are Rob Casalou, President and CEO of Trinity Health Michigan and Southeast Regions, and Sean Gailey, Regional Vice President of Advocacy for Trinity Health Michigan. You know, there's one thing that hasn't changed through all the ups and downs in my career in healthcare, Barb, and that is uh, the one constant is that we get a privilege of entering into people's lives, sometimes at their most vulnerable moments doesn't just mean when they're in the hospital. It means when they're in any kind of crisis or trying to change their lives for the better. And we get a privilege to, to enter their lives and try to make a difference uh, for them and with them. And that has maintained. And that still excites me about the job that we have. In their respective roles, both gentlemen work tirelessly to advocate for the health and well-being of the patients and families they are called to serve. With an unwavering commitment to health equity and addressing the social determinants of health, their advocacy and engagement takes place at the local, state, and federal levels. In addition, both men give their time and talent to numerous boards and community organizations. Trinity Health's programs that address the social determinants of health are recognized as models for health systems nationwide. Rob and Sean, I am so delighted to welcome you to Root of the Issue today, have been looking forward to this conversation. The three of us have known each other for a very long time and have been working in the advocacy space for healthcare for quite some time and um, have really seen this evolution, revolution, if you will, in healthcare taking on the social determinants of health. And I don't think it is overstating it to say that Trinity is an absolute role model and national leader for healthcare. So thank you both for what you bring, not to just this conversation today, but for what you do every single day to the communities and patients and families you serve. Rob and Sean, we're, we're, we have two, so we'll, we'll bounce some questions off a little bit back and forth. But Rob, let's start with you. And because you are, uh, you know, the CEO of a health system, a very large health system, and we know from reading headlines and our listeners have heard and other guests and uh, certainly through the headlines that they see, these are very difficult times in healthcare right now. Um, probably some of the most difficult and challenging times that we've experienced due in large part to the COVID-19 pandemic that we are finally emerging from. But tell us a little bit about your role and how addressing social determinants and health equity continues to be a priority given all of the other challenges you're facing. Yeah, well, thanks for that question, Barb, and it's great to be on this with you. Uh, Yeah, so we don't have to go through the trials right now that all the health systems are facing, but we know that we're in that perfect storm of you know, emerging very slowly with activity out of the pandemic with combined with unprecedented inflation of labor and other costs. So we're a little upside down uh, on that. But having said that, 
uh, I would say that Trinity, even through uh, the beginnings of the pandemic all the way to this day, has protected our community health and well-being expenditures and investments. We haven't cut any of those. In fact, in many cases, we've expanded those, even though we've seen uh, stresses in other parts of our normal operations. Uh, and that is because of what you said, the social determinants, you know, at the root cause of a lot of health issues, you know, if we started to diminish those investments, you know, it would just fuel the, the current problems even, even more. So we've maintained uh, those investments along the way. Well, I appreciate the fact that you have, because I think, as you know, from my background in healthcare, um, almost four decades, these are challenging times. And there have been many, many health systems and executives like yourself who have stepped forward and says, this is the right thing to do. As I've said to you, I so often hearken back to our first national summit when you were speaking and talking about how once you realize the issues in the community, you said, not on my watch, are we going to ignore these? And that is such a, a, a huge step and a, a wonderful step for you to have taken. Not everyone in healthcare has been able to make that pivot or, or the addition, I should say. And for you to continue to be that role model means a lot to all of us that are working in this space. So, so thank you again. Sean, let me ask you from an advocacy standpoint, because you are, you know, you're one of the individuals that delivers the messages and tries to share with lawmakers at, you know, state and federal and even local levels, the need for healthcare and with so many needs, how do you also include this need for addressing health equity and the social determinants in your messaging? So um, thankfully, we're grateful that we've got a leader like Rob who has made this a priority for our health system. You know, as we talk with legislators, we talk about how healthcare pre-pandemic and even post-pandemic is transforming into more of a population health-based um, system. In other words, we know that the focus needs to be going forward, keeping our populations healthy. And it, when we look at some of the social determinants like food access and housing and transportation, we have several leaders, Rob included, who talk about the importance of a person's environment and to their overall health and, and what that contributes to somebody's health status. So I know one of our leaders in one of our markets talks about zip codes and the zip code that uh, you come from dictates uh, your health in, in many ways. And a lot of that can be uh, traced back to some of the social determinants, whether you have transportation, whether you have access to good food, whether you have um, adequate housing. And so uh, when we talk to legislators, we talk about the importance of keeping people out of the hospital um, and keeping people healthy. You know, if they have a chronic condition and that they need to be taking their, their medications regularly, um, we use community health workers broadly within our health ministries to connect with our patients. And we know that um, so much of their overall health condition is dictated by, again, their environment. Yeah, absolutely. And as you say, keeping people out of the hospital. And, and it really comes down to we're talking about prevention and investing at the front end in healthcare and and well-being 
so that at the back end, when those costs can become so exorbitant for everyone involved, um, this this really is getting back to the the root of the issue, if you will, in our roots in public health. And I think it's not so much a new message, but it really is bringing back our foundation of, of what we are all called to do in healthcare. So uh, appreciate that perspective from both of you. And Sean, you mentioned, um, you know, addressing nutrition security and, and transportation, isolation, of course, all of those issues, as you both know, are issues that we take very, very seriously and, and continue to address in a variety of ways at the Root Cause Coalition. You all were gracious enough to host our Come to the Table Midwest event with the USDA. And you were both there, Rob. You helped open some, uh, you know, some things up, and, and you know, we were both having a lot of conversations with attendees. These come to the table events, as I think many of our listeners are aware, stemmed from the White House conference on nutrition, hunger, and health last fall. We're making a p- commitment to go across the the U.S. into the different regions and hear from community as to how we can really make that goal of ending hunger in our country by 2030. What did you hear that day, Rob, that makes you think that we're on track to do that? And or what did you hear that makes you think, oh, we've got to do a few more things to ensure that we can really address these issues? Would love to hear maybe both sides of that. You know, you get encouraged when you're in a room with individuals who are passionate about the topic and feel that there's possibilities to, to make improvement. And, and even when you hear from those uh, in government, you know, that are behind it and supportive. And we had a lot of that at that meeting. You know, it's easy in today's environment, if you're just consuming media, you know, every day, it feels like the oxygen's being taken up by a lot of acrimony and politics. And that we're not seeing in the public view, a concentrated effort on these things that matter. So I, I, I was in that day listening to individuals who I respect and are enlightened and are pushing from all corners, you know, in the case of food access in particular uh, that day, you know, that it gave me some hope that we still have the passion, the leadership out there in the field to make a difference. I think the thing holding us back is how do we give fuel and oxygen to this to become a main topic in the public eye? And not be buried in all these other issues that aren't making a difference in the in the people that live in the, these communities, and that's my worry: is when will these topics replace those that we hear about daily and in, in the news and the media? I think that's right. And as I speak with so many of our partners and members and and others who have been attending these events, I think you are spot on with their sentiments as well. This is not easy work, and other topics have sadly, as you say, taken the oxygen out of the room. It is up to us every single day to keep pushing to to make these issues at the fore. And uh, I don't think anyone is delusional that we can end these in five years, two years. You know, twenty thirty is a goal. And as I've said, and I think I said in Ann Arbor that day, all of us have that commitment to these issues. And I think the responsibility to those who come after us to say, thanks for 
helping us get to this point, we'll pick up and continue to go from there. It's got to be that long arc, as we often say. I appreciate the optimism that you you just shared and, and that you felt that day because I think it was shared by a lot of folks. Sean, you were there. I'd love to hear your take on it as well. And, and maybe your take also, again, from the individual who oversees advocacy, how you think these issues do resonate. You know, I, I hear what you said in your previous answer. Are these messages resonating? Can we continue to build this political will, not only from community, but with our lawmakers? I don't know that I have a lot to add to what Rob observed. Um, certainly, it was great to see all the different stakeholders together and to hear the collaboration that's going on and the potential for even further collaboration around these efforts going forward. So just was very inspired. And it, it did certainly leave one with some hope that together, um, through a collaboration that we can accomplish goals, even if it's incremental. You know, one of the things that I've learned to appreciate uh, in advocacy is incremental change. And if we don't get everything all at once, that there's opportunity to make take a step forward and to build on that step and keep going. So to your point about, you know, hopefully we do put those steps together and create the momentum that will prevent us from backtracking. As far as um, whether I think that most of my effort is at the state level, um, I, I do do a little bit of work with our congressional delegation, but uh, Rob also has a lot of those personal relationships. But at the state level, I think my sense is um, we probably have a more receptive audience because of the political makeup and dynamic that's occurred. I think these are issues that both sides of the aisle can appreciate. I think there are individuals, though, that we know that have a passion for a lot of these issues. And I feel as if we're in a time where we've got the ear of a number of lawmakers who are in the position to be able to make um, significant change uh, and to move forward on some of these priorities. So, like I said, I think there we have friends on both sides of the aisle and there are folks that we can work with very closely and, and who these issues resonate with. But it just feels as if we've got folks who are really are passionate about some of this work in the right positions. Agree. I appreciate that. And and I would also underscore we do have friends on both sides of the aisle. And I have not met anyone in my work all these years who thinks it's okay for seniors to have to make some of the very difficult decisions they are forced to make on basic necessities, uh, whether it's the rent or the food or prescriptions. I don't know anyone who thinks it's okay for children to be hungry. We're, we're maybe not all in agreement on exactly the solution, but we're, we're in agreement that much needs to be done. And so going back to Rob's comment about making sure we take more of the oxygen and continuing to push forward, I think there are more allies in these discussions than, than probably um, sometimes meets the eye or ear. So thank you both for that. Let's pivot just a little bit. Uh, we always like to explore the personal inspirations, be they from your family in early years and or early professional career, individuals such as yourself whose passion for these issues comes through so, so clearly are shaped by many experiences and many individuals throughout our life. And we really like to hear this part of your journey because 
I think it helps our listeners understand that, no, you don't need to be a CEO or doing advocacy with state lawmakers or the head of an organization. Everyone has a voice and everyone can find their voice through a lot of ways and, and through a lot of examples. So Rob, if, if you don't mind sharing some of your early inspirations and some moments in your career that really, again, underscored that this this is how we're going to go forward. Glad to do that. You know, I think for my career and, you know, which started almost three decades ago now, so feel old at the moment. You know, I realized pretty quickly, having gone from the auto industry in my earliest career to healthcare, that in healthcare, we often sell a product people don't want to buy. And uh, unlike a lot of other industries that sell products that people enjoy and, and buy, you know, we're one that people generally need. And when they need it, it needs to be perfect in every way and it, it needs to be cost effective. But let's remember, people aren't, you know, necessarily glad they have to consume healthcare. But what is the product that people want to buy is good health. And I always said I wanted to be in the business of selling the product that people do want to buy. And that is, how do we keep them out of hospitals? How do we, you know, really downsell our core business in an effort to have more people be attracted to us by virtue of meeting their needs and selling them what they want? And that's where I, um, you know, kind of hooked on most, both in my personal life and professional life on food as a particular focus. I know there are many social determinants. They're all vitally important, but I became particularly interested in food because I saw food at the root of a lot of things, a lot of disease that we uh, see in our communities, um, you know, are, are fueled by poor nutrition or the lack thereof. Access to food often uh, affects other parts, including thinking and the ability to function every day. So through that, uh, through a journey of, you know, 25 years or more, you know, I became particularly interested in that, Barb. And that's, you know, and then I also was interested for my own personal well-being because I came from a household that had adequate nutrition. But, you know, my my parents, uh, my father in particular, had heart disease. He had poor uh, health in a lot of ways, fueled by a poor nutrition. And I decided I didn't want to follow in my dad's footsteps. And so that's where it started personally for me. And then I carried it into my professional career. I appreciate that. And I think you're right. The business of um, keeping them out of the hospital and making sure that it's health and well-being. You know, I think too many times, and you, you just really underscored that, the healthcare industry is is really looked at as a you know an unwell industry. And, and what we want to do is keep people healthy. One of the ways you do that, we know at your Ann Arbor uh, slash Ypsilanti campus, is through the farm. And Rob, would love for you to share with our listeners a little bit about what that model is and what it does really for the entire community. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's 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 taken on a life. You know, I, I have to say, and this is a pun intended, you know, I planted a seed and now, you know, you see the farm as it is today. But uh, you know, just a, a very quick snippet. You know, when I joined uh, St. Joe's in Ann Arbor in 2008, I was there literally less than a week and I was working late one night and I went down to the cafeteria at the hospital to grab something to eat. And all that was available in the cafeteria were greasy cheeseburgers with the grease soaking through the wrappers and fried onion rings. And I absolutely was aghast. I said that a hospital would be serving this food. And it it started me on a journey with the hospital to say, you know, we've got to, you know, we got to be a role model. We got to feed ourselves and those who visit us 
the way that we lecture them in the doctor's offices, you know, and, you know, we embarked on changing that. And then, you know, quite honestly, I, I had the benefit of working with some enlightened folks, uh, one being, you know, who's well known within the Root Cause Coalition, that's Lisa McDowell, uh, who's our clinical uh, head of clinical nutrition. And, uh, you know, she was hopeful and others in the organization were hopeful that we could really uh, stand for good nutrition, good health, and would we do something differently? And it was really their idea to create, you know, the farm. And, and St. Joanne Arbor sits on 350 acres of beautiful property that at one time was a farm. And so we decided let's return some of that property to its natural state and its original state as a farm. And we um, hired a farmer and we, we hired Dan at the time and farmer Dan, and uh, he started our first hoop house and, and Barb, it just evolved. It, it just grew. And, you know, we kept, they kept saying, you know, can we have 25,000 to do a hoop house? Can we hire a couple interns? And this thing has mushroomed and really to the credit of those who we just let free, you know, I think the thing that I would tell my peers, if they want to do something like this is you need to find enlightened individuals who have a passion for this and let them run, give them the resources that they need and let them take it over and it will create itself. And that's what happened now with Amanda uh, Sweetman, who runs the farm now. This thing has now become a food hub. You know, we've invested, continue to invest. Now we're getting donor dollars and grant dollars. And it just became, took on a life of its own. And all I can say, the only credit I take is planting that original seed. Uh, for the farm. We're glad you worked late that night and uh, saw those cheeseburger uh, and onion rings staring back at you. And and what a journey from that moment of, and as you say, we can't do this. This is not what we tell everyone who comes through every door, be it the, uh, you know, provider office or in the hospital, you got to eat healthy, do this, do this. And then, you know, here, have the cheeseburger. So it is a model. It is a beautiful farm, having um, had the opportunity to see it, obviously, firsthand. And it's a beautiful campus. And And just thank you for, you know, uh, allowing, as you say, folks to run with it. Lisa is amazing. Dan started something that has just mushroomed. And Amanda's phenomenal to work with. So you really, you really are a national model. And anyone listening to this, I hope that they go on to the website, learn a little bit more about the farm, um, especially those in healthcare, but really anybody in community. And I think that's the other thing we try and do through this podcast is everyone has a voice. Call, call your local healthcare provider and say, hey, I just heard about this farm at, you know, Trinity, St. Joe's in Ann Arbor, Ypsilanti, Michigan. And have you ever looked into this? Because I know you have visitors from far and wide taking a look at how this was established. So when uh, we'll make sure to post a, a link so that people can learn more about that. But thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Sean, I'm going to put you on the spot now and ask for a little bit about maybe your background and some of those personal inspirations that led you to where you are today. Well, certainly, you know, working with Rob has been one of the things I've been most grateful for and um, so much so that after working with him at Ascension, um, I joined Trinity about four years ago to work for him again. So he's certainly a um, very forward-thinking leader somebody who you know I, I look to and I know our organization looks to uh, for his leadership. So part of why I'm where I am is because of his leadership. 
Um, but but Catholic healthcare has been a significant influence on my life as well. And you know the the faith based mission that we as an organization and Ascension had uh, in my previous role, you know, really uh, appeals to uh, me and appeals to uh, my sense of doing something that makes a difference in our communities. I, I know we have a lot of great secular institu- institutions across the state. We um, partner with a lot of them, and I work with a lot of secular institutions, uh, facilities, healthcare systems, um, and we're all trying to uh, do good things uh, in our community, uh, provide services, but keep our communities healthy and, and, and do what's best. Um, but the faith-based mission certainly has been a draw for me and the, the mission of Catholic healthcare. Some of the personal experiences around access to food and community, I guess, you know, might be reflected in some of the work I've done with the Greater Lansing Food Bank or uh, even through uh, my parish where we do um, holiday dinners, community dinners, and invite individuals who have some challenges with access to food or other issues in their environment and just the community that that provides uh, and that food provides to individuals who might be socially isolated or might have other challenges um, beyond just uh, access to good nutrition has kind of influenced my personal life and also why I am passionate about some of this work as well. Thank you for sharing both of you. With that as um, our background, to maybe move on to the the next section then. We're living in a time that I think everyone knows feels very divided. And Rob, you've already alluded to it. And, you know, sometimes and oftentimes, I think those on the far ends are the ones who suck out that oxygen. And and I think many people know that the the best compromises come from discussion and, and meeting a little bit halfway. How do you encourage others to continue in this space when it's such a difficult time right now, given all the different challenges that we're facing as a society? What's your advice to others to either get involved or stay involved? And, and Sean, let's start with you. It is a divisive time, and there is a lot of civil discourse and a lot of acrimony in the world that I work in and that Rob is also very involved in. But there are good people in positions that can make a difference. And despite what we see and hear on the news every day, that can create a lot of cynicism on the part of a lot of people regarding our political process, for example, or or politicians or the public policy world that we work in, what goes unreported is a, a lot of the good things and good public policy that does get done and the bipartisanship that still occurs. I'll admit that over the course of my career, I've gotten more cynical and, you know, I remember a time when that bipartisanship was much more prevalent, but you still see it. And I think we have an obligation to continue to participate in, in the process, to reward those elected officials who are doing the right thing, to, to pay attention to what's going on in Lansing and Washington, D.C., and to, to not retreat into 
you know, our own backyard, if you will, or, you know, retreat from the process because it can be frustrating. It's hard work. And I'm grateful that we have leadership within the organization who recognizes the importance of uh, the work that's done in in Lansing and D.C. and and personally invests in, in that work. Excellent. Well, I appreciate both of you sharing that. I think that the inspiration to stay engaged and to bring others to these issues is so, so critical. Rob, let me ask you the same question. And perhaps from the way you have conversations with other CEOs who, as you acknowledged and we acknowledged at the top of this conversation, these are very challenging times for a lot of reasons in healthcare. And so for those who maybe haven't taken that uh, you know, that step and become fully engaged and and see that connection of addressing the social determinants of health as to how it will affect health outcomes. What do you say to your colleagues, your peers to get them engaged in this space? You kind of in a nutshell, Barb, the idea here is not to give up. There are times where it's frustrating that you don't feel like you're getting people's attention on the important issues because they're bogged down in whatever they're, they're mired in. But I, you know, Sean said something that I firmly believe. You know, there are a lot that work in our uh, political systems in the in the state and, and federal government that are enlightened, that they do care, that they do want to make a difference. And I think the current dynamics are really as a result of what I'm going to say, vocal minorities, you know, of people that are disrupting the, t- the conversations that we want to have. And you know, I, I think the thing, the advice I give myself at times is don't get down, stay the course, keep the conversation going, because these are the conversations that matter. And if we give up on those, then we are assured of failure. And so we need to, you know, have the energy and the resilience uh, to maintain and, and put the, the spotlight on the issues that are affecting the masses. And the social determinants are among that, the health of our health systems and, and all the other issues that we deal with that are programmatic and, and vitally important to health systems as we go through the changes that we're going through. So, you know, there are days I will tell you, I, I'm just kind of like, why am I bothering trying to talk to this individual? Yet I know that, you know, the job that Sean and I and others have is that we have to keep having those conversations and trying to influence policy. I agree. And I I applaud you for that honesty. And, you know, there are days, but there's work to be done. And I think that's what gets us up every single day. So we're coming toward the end of our conversation. We always like to end on upbeat notes. And uh, I don't think we've really been brought down that you're both very inspirational leaders. I know that so many in the industry look to you. Let me ask a two-part question. What excites you the most? And then what motivates you? And it might be the same thing, but Rob, let's start with you. And then Sean, you can pick it up right after Rob. Same question. So what excites you the most? What motivates you? You know, there's one thing that hasn't changed through all the ups and downs in my career in healthcare, Barb, and that is uh, the one constant is that we get a privilege of entering into people's lives, sometimes at their most vulnerable moments doesn't just mean when they're in the hospital. It means when they're in any kind of crisis or trying to change their lives for the better. 
and we get a privilege to, to enter their lives and try to make a difference uh, for them and with them. And that has maintained. And that still excites me about the job that we have. And it motivates me. You know, uh, the best part of my job is when I'm in one of our facilities, whether it's an inpatient clinic or outpatient clinic, and I see the faces of those we serve. And I see sometimes, you know, the look of concern in their eyes as they're walking in a big, scary place. And I realize that they are depending on us. And no matter of all the politics we just talked about or all that jazz, at the end of the day, they're relying on us. And they need us to do our job. And that still motivates me uh, every day. Appreciate that. Thank you. Sean? I think what motivates me is our leadership, the commitment of our leadership to our mission, the organization that I am fortunate to be able to represent um, with lawmakers and regulators. I'll tell you that I've never gone home in any way feeling as if I've compromised my values or, you know, that I'm working for an organization that's not mission-based and trying to do its very best to serve the communities that we're part of. You know, motivation, Rob mentioned being in our hospitals, just interacting with clinicians and other leadership, you know, and to see their passion, to see their dedication no more did we see that than during the pandemic, was, which was an incredibly trying time for all of our leadership. But the dedication that I observed from our clinical leadership, our administrative leadership, was something that motivates me and, and keeps me motivated. You know, my observation is that there continues to be a lot of longevity in the careers of a lot of the leaders and employees uh, and staff of our hospitals. And when I hear of somebody, you know, who's been here for 30 or 40 years, it really makes you feel like, you know, uh, when we're out there talking on behalf of the organization or taking positions or uh, trying to advance a policy, it gives you some additional strength and some additional um, endurance to, to work your way through some of the um, some of the challenges that we have on a daily basis when you think of the, the kinds of challenges that our clinical leaders and, and administrators have to navigate through um, every day. So those are the things that motivate me. I appreciate that. I appreciate both of your answers. And um, that takes us to our final question. And we use a lot of terminology that has become very common for us every day, but maybe not to listeners who, who aren't in this space every day, but, but certainly the outcome of what we're doing and, and striving to achieve does matter to everyone. So when asked how you define or explain health equity, what would your answer be? And uh, Sean, let's start with you. I think ensuring that no matter where you come from, no matter where you are, no matter your health status, no matter your individual circumstances, that we strive to deliver the same services, high quality services to everyone, no matter who you are, what your circumstances are, where in life you find yourself, that there's equity in the services we offer, the, the uh, experience that we provide both on an inpatient basis and an outpatient basis and in our communities that we're ensuring adequate access for everyone. Thank you. Rob? Yeah, you know, when I think about equity and you, I think about terms like fairness and injustice, but, you know, when I really, really think hard about it, it's a recognition, equity is, that we don't 
all start from the same place and that we have to acknowledge and make adjustments for sometimes for imbalances. And that's where the social determinants come in, Barb, you know, because we know that some folks face different health conditions because they don't come and face the same circumstances. So when I think about equity, it is trying to recognize those differences and trying to provide for those imbalances uh, so that if someone does have trouble with getting somewhere or with housing or with food access, that we create in a fair and just system so that we can treat everyone with, with equity and, and get them to a different place together. Uh, and that's the way I kind of look at it. Well, I appreciate that perspective from both of you, Sean and Rob. You truly are leaders. You are mentors. You have, have certainly mentored me, whether you know it or not, uh, throughout the course of uh, working together over a few decades now. And like you said earlier, Rob, it's amazing how how quick time flies. But um, you really are health equity champions. Uh, what you do every single day, individually and as part of Trinity, our role models for so many. And, and we appreciate you so much. I appreciate your time on Root of the Issue today. I appreciate the voice that you bring to the Root Cause Coalition we appreciate you availing your resources, your staff, who all share this common mission and vision and goal that you've um, shared with our listeners today. So on behalf of all of us at Root Cause Coalition, thank you for what you do. Thank you for being the health equity champions and for really terrific human beings in a world that needs kindness every day. Thank you. Thank you, Barb. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for your leadership, because we would not be where we are without the root cause in your leadership. So thank you. Root of the Issue is made possible through the generous support of the AARP Foundation. The podcast shares the personal and professional journeys of nationally recognized health equity advocates, and we highlight their work on closing the gap relative to accessing life's most basic needs. Our intent is that this podcast provides inspiration to become involved in our collective quest for health equity. Please follow us on your favorite podcast app, give us a rating and review to increase our visibility, and then share the podcast with your personal and professional communities. I'm Barbara Petey. Thanks for listening.